0: it is ladies and gents man vacation rentals i don't know about you guys but when i go on vacation i like to have a nice sweet spot i can relax in and if that's something you're interested in maybe owning maybe being in that sort of business and this episode's for you let's get this one on the road here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you this show is for those who are willing to take that risk these are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs, but before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency, so thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Boss. Alright ladies and gents, look, owning real estate as a vacation rental is becoming more and more profitable. But how does it work? Today's guest is all about the data and he's taking his analytical mind and applying it to the vacation rental industry. With more data, owners can make better decisions and ultimately increase that ever drastically number oh, that ever increasing number of their ROI. Uh, if you've ever considered turning your rental into a vacation rental, then this episode's for you. Let's get ready to learn what it takes to be successful in vacation rentals and welcome to the show from key data Mr. Jason Sprinkle. All right, Jason, a good time had by all when they come on the business, bros. How are you doing so far?
1: Man, I'm doing great. How are you doing today?
0: Oh, man, yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll. Vacations, man. Vacations, vacations, vacations. This industry has been taking off for the last couple of years. Um, I'm going to start with that very first question, which always comes down to uh, why. Why are you doing this? Because I want to know.
1: Yeah, uh, a couple of answers. One, I've been in the space for 20 years, so I've kind of watched what felt like a really steady climb, a small mom-and-pop industry that uh, really matured pretty dramatically over the last couple of years, as you were alluding to. Uh, COVID really had a dramatic impact on it, right? We we effectively shut down hotels, international travel, uh, cruises, Everything else that uh, we had grown accustomed to kind of all of a sudden became not a great place to go and stay when we were all getting infected with COVID. And the one safe haven that, that people found was a deep desire to travel with their family and in a, in a desire to do it in a safe manner. Right. And so vacation rentals kind of grabbed this incredible share of the marketplace that they had not had at the, at the moment uh, leading up to that Airbnb going public, a lot of new tickers coming on. Um, Younger people kind of leaning into this nomadic lifestyle that we hear so much about, you know, live from anywhere, work from anywhere. And so it just deeply popular popularized the space. And so um, that kind of 20 year curve that we've been on together in the space just accelerated dramatically.
0: Time does fly. Uh, I I started this business way back, I want to say 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. On accident, really. I used to work for HR Block and uh my, my manager came up and said, Hey, uh, your job is to make sure that all these offices get cleaned. And I was like, Okay, cool. I'll uh I'll come on that boss. And she gave me a budget and I couldn't find a company to do it in that budget. So I started one and we ended up cleaning offices for HR Block. Then we moved into the vacation rental space. Uh, and you know, cleaning those vacation rentals, it was like a weekly thing. You'd go in, you'd do like, you know, like you would at a, at a hotel. You'd go in, clean the whole thing out, get it prepped, get it ready, put the little soaps where they go, fold the toilet paper the way it's supposed to go, and boom, it's off and rolling. But just cleaning up is one aspect of the vacation rental part. As owners, people who have property that are considering jumping into the vacation rental space on top of making sure you have somebody to come in and clean it, what are some of those key things that people don't know about? Once they get into the space, they're like, "Oh, I didn't know that was part of the deal, too."
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a game of inches, right? It's a it's a lot of little details, like you said. I mean, in the end, uh, it's what you think. It's it's delivering an incredible experience for a customer, right? Doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. Uh, I, I share my, my entry into most of my businesses has been the same way you entered yours, which is couldn't find somebody to do what I wanted to be done, uh, you know, in, in a way that I thought the customers deserved and so leaned into myself to, to solve it. Um, but I, I think when you think about vacation rentals and jumping into it, right, you got about half the world that uses a professional to manage their vacation rentals and about half the world that does it themselves. I think you can have an extraordinary business and an extraordinary experience for guests doing it either way. But if you're jumping into it yourself, uh, you do need to be mindful of the, you know, the back half of the operation, right? The front half is what you hear so much about on the podcast, the return on investments, you know, what it looks like from a monetary standpoint, how to run the spreadsheets. But don't forget the back end of it, finding somebody to get in there and uh, and turn uh, the unit on a Saturday in one of the busiest markets in the U.S., which is when a lot of the the, uh, vacation rentals switch hands. Is not quite as easy as it is to get somebody to clean your own home or to come over and take care of a plumbing issue, right? If you've got 20,000 units that are turning over on the same day, imagine the demand for the cleaners and the plumbers and the pool people. Um, it, it It's quite significant. And so I, I think just going into it with your eyes wide open on the back end of the house is probably the thing that catches people by surprise the most.
0: Let's talk about what you came in here to talk about, which is the data, right? At the end of the day, the the analytics tell us so much more information than we ever thought possible and the uh, the idea that we can capture so much data is even more valuable social media platforms are giants because of the data that they can capture and what they use that data for so in the in in the rental space what kind of data are you collecting and, and how are you using it
1: yeah so we're a little bit unique there's there's been some data out there in the past I'm a Massive believer in data-driven businesses, right? Make decisions off of the data that's in front of you. Gut is important. uh, Lead with heart. But uh, when you've got data available, it can certainly help you make better uh, better decisions more efficiently. So in the vacation rental space, historically, when you think about owning, operating, either a unit or a small vacation rental business, Uh, It's predominantly been done either in what I consider to be kind of the old fashioned methodology, which is get data from your teams, get data from your friends around you, put it in Excel. Um, That changed pretty dramatically over the last five to seven years. There's started to be some platforms out there that scraped data off of what we call the OTA. So most people think of them as Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, right? The big platforms that list all the vacation rentals that you look for. Um, and so some scraping companies went out and, and gathered the data off of those websites and made it available to end users, so individuals who were trying to operate their businesses or their units in a way where they were pricing based on demand, right? How to set up your unit, when you should price higher, when you should price lower, how frequently you should change that, how do you go out and 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 grab customers and where are the customers for your market coming from, that that data started to make its way into the marketplace as we kind of grew up through COVID. Uh, But we decided, uh, let's see, four and a half, five years back when we started the company, that uh, it was critical to have accurate data, particularly when it came around pricing of the units. We saw the industry growing up, people making large investments, people starting to buy multiple units, really leaning into this kind of Airbnb investment opportunity, whether it was in a leisure market or uh, an urban market, and yet their pricing just wasn't that sophisticated. And so we decided to take the approach of going out and getting the real reservation data from all the professionals out there uh, that manage units full-time, all the core leisure markets in the U.S. and beyond. And so uh, it's been a four-year journey Uh, but we've now got most of the major professional vacation rental uh, companies reporting their data to us live. So it's kind of like this giant co-op. And the benefit of that is if you and your family make a reservation to come stay in Hilton Head tonight with one of the uh, companies to first stay next week or a year from now, that data rolls into us. And so uh, owners of properties in Hilton Head, or people thinking about investing in Hilton Head, want to see the access around that. Like, who's booking those types of units? Where are they coming from? How much are they charging in January or September um, is one view. The other view is kind of, if I own that property, how much can I expect to make from it? How much should I be charging in peak season? How many rate varieties should I have, right? And so we're really just trying to collect the wisdom from all the people who are doing it full time, the pros, if you will, and to be able to provide that back to the individual who might not be in it full time but still wants to to have the benefit of of trading or pricing like a pro.
0: So, when you're collecting data, you mentioned that you're getting it from the big guys, uh, the Airbnbs, uh, and then. I think I read in your bio as well, and you you sort of mentioned it. You're also collecting data from people who are managing these properties. So you're talking about the people who are doing the plumbing and the cleaning and the day to day turnovers that need to be done. Um, what's the turnaround time? What's the pricing on those services? You're getting you're compiling a ton of data from multiple vendors all in one spot uh, when users want to utilize that data. If, if I'm new to this Airbnb space and I'm debating, I'm like, look. I'm either going to turn it into a traditional rental and get a renter in here, or I'm thinking about getting into the Airbnb space. How do I get a hold of that kind of data? What, where do I find it and how do I use it?
1: Yeah, so that's what our business does. You know, Key Data Dashboard aggregates data from all these different sources, from the OTAs and very importantly, directly from the professional operators out there. And we put it together in a series of dashboards and pricing tools and analytics uh, with a singular goal being to make it easier for people who don't do it full time to be able to operate their either their individual units or their group of units in a more efficient manner and um, and hopefully in a more profitable manner. You know, if you if you think about if you if you decided to buy an Airbnb in Boston or down in Destin or Breckenridge, um, whether you live there, or whether you live out of town, like so many of the investors, um, you start out with the sense of oh, I think I can get one hundred thousand dollars a year. I think I should price it at about forty-five hundred dollars a week. Well, it turns out, you know, data allows you to drive that um, with a lot more detail and a lot more actually, and pull more profit out of the end. So, you know, we try to make it easy for people to understand when is demand really high and when can you push those prices up significantly, right? You might get seventy-five hundred a week in in season when the demand is the highest, like July Fourth for a particular unit, or uh, when do you really need to drop the price because demand's particularly low, right? And there's some there's some obvious patterns for our market that kind of repeat themselves year after year. But there's also deep fluctuations, right? COVID happens. Economy changes happen. Gas prices go up. Big events happen in your area. And so uh, the ability to kind of react to those without a whole lot of effort and maximize your price when the demand's high and minimize your price when you need to get the demand that's there, even though it's limited, can really separate significantly the people who make a good return or a good cap rate on their property from those that are you know just kind of getting by. And so um, data has, has been a big separator in the space, and we're trying to make it easier uh, for people to utilize.
0: So is Key Data Dashboard a place or a a, a tool that me, the average u- user, can subscribe for and utilize for like one or two units? Or is it something that property management companies who are running uh, Airbnb uh, multiple doors, maybe for, for particular clients, uh, is it a tool that they use or both? How does it work? Yes.
1: Yeah, so historically, we've been a tool for professionals and we are about 60 days away from unloading all of our tools into what we call a host product. So um, we've got hosts that use our product now. Kind of What I think of as the more sophisticated operators are the ones that are just a step ahead and have really wanted to get into the data. They've come in and they just bought the whole pro product, if you will, But we're, we're launching a, a host product for key data that'll be coming out, like I said, in about 60 days. We're super excited to bring it to the market. The great news is it's got all the, the depth of the data that the pros use. We've tried to simplify it a little bit so that if you're just managing one unit, it provides value a little bit easier for you than some of the full pro tools do. Yeah,
0: because uh, let's let's talk about data and and I know the average user. The average user is, is like me, so we see the data and then we think, huh, I yeah. can be that anomaly, right? I can I can be the one who who can get more than that on a particular day. Uh, is there anything that you notice uh, when you're compiling data that that outliers tend to have in common, things that separate them from some of the other properties maybe?
1: Yeah. So we've got one of the most popular tools we have is a rental projection tool, which just tries to help people understand, hey, if I buy this house, how much should I expect it to do in rental income? Think of uh, Zestimates on Zillow, right? Mm-hmm. How much is my house worth? This is what should I realistically expect this property to generate in terms of rental income? Super important if you're buying a house for the purposes of investing, right? Uh, even if you're counting on the appreciation, you, don't want, you want to know if the house is going to carry itself. You don't want to be stressed about it. Um, and so it's critical that people have a realistic view of what the house is going to produce in terms of income. One of the things that is most often overlooked by new investors and new buyers of vacation rental homes is owner usage, right? Um, you, you oftentimes have a spouse that says, I'm going to buy this for an investment and they talk the other spouse into it cause they're going to enjoy using it. Well, those two things obviously <laughs> work against each other and yeah. on using it, uh, in peak season, two weeks or three weeks, it adds up pretty quickly. So it's, it's important to be realistic about that. That's probably the first thing that jumps to mind is how much are you going to impact, you know, the sale of your own goods, so to speak.
0: When you go in from deciding rental versus uh, vacation rental um, it, it, you know, people often look at the huge dollars that they're making on in peak seasons, but they don't really anticipate the off-peak seasons. And you kind of have to average out for the entire year. Are you seeing that the uh, the revenue that's coming in from the Airbnb model or the vacation rental model, is that outpacing the traditional rental uh, for for the real estate space? Because I, I feel like I'm seeing more and more people take properties. I mean, I'm in San Diego, so it's a little bit different than other places, right? I'm, it's definitely more of a vacation spot here. But I'm seeing where people are taking properties and they're just, you know what? It's not going to be a traditional rental. They go in fully furnish the place, make a bunch of Instagrammable spots in their in their rentals and turn it into a vacation rental. And I'm wondering, because we have peaks and off peak seasons, does it really like are we seeing a huge influx where maybe I should be considering the vacation rental because the cash flow is just much better over time versus the traditional rental market?
1: There's usually a clear delineation in markets. So like I'm in I'm in uh, Destin in Northwest Florida, right? There is a line that you could pretty much draw on a map where everything beach side of it makes more money as a vacation rental and everything uh, north of that makes more money as a long-term rental. So I think the line differs obviously per market, right? How far are you from a ski slope? How far are you from the traditional destination? There's a point at which the the line definitely transitions over. Um, the other thing to be aware of to your point is cash flow for an investment, it differs dramatically. If you're up in the Smoky Mountains, you have pretty steady income year round, right? If you're in a traditional beach market like Destin or Hilton Head or one of the ones we mentioned, you, know, you have a very high peak season, you get a bump for the holidays, but you have a very low uh, off season, right? Relative to your to your peaks. And so when you're thinking about cash flow, you even if you're profitable for the year and you've got a decent cap rate. Uh, be mindful of the fact that you might have to carry it for seven months of the year from a cash flow perspective. So when you purchase it makes a big difference, right? If you're stepping into peak season, you might have three months of great revenue that carry you for the next seven months. If you buy it in off season, you might have seven months where you've got to carry from a cash perspective up front before you before you start to benefit from it. So timing and cash flow, two things not to overlook uh, when you when you think about what to buy.
0: You mentioned that in in about sixty days you're gonna have the host package, so that's gonna be for people who have one or two properties that are coming in. So it makes me question, like, what is the future of this industry? You've been in it for the last twenty years; it's steady incline. Do you see it kind of hockey hockey sticking up? Is it is it something that's gonna drastically change in in the near future, where people are just gonna head more towards that, or or do you feel like there's gonna be some some balance coming in with the traditional hotel travel versus Airbnb?
1: Yeah. Great question. Supply and demand questions, right? Supply has gone up pretty dramatically um, because there was such a great return on investment, right? The reason people were excited about these Airbnb type of investments and talking about it a lot uh, is precisely what drove, you know, more people to get into it. It was, it was very profitable for quite some time. A couple of things have changed. One, the cost of real estate and the cost of the capital investment has gone up significantly, right? We're starting to see that slow down and pull back a little bit. That'll start to get your cap rates up a little bit. And then we're starting to see the supply slow down a little bit in in what I consider to be kind of your traditional leisure markets that we've been mentioning. And so I think we saw a peak for a little while in terms of the potential of some of these houses. So if you're buying a house because last year it did X in terms of rental investment, be careful. We had some extraordinary, you know, months over the last 12 to 18 months in terms of rental, uh, you know, generation, rental cap rates. Um, and I'm talking about a 20-year curve that spikes significantly. We're still way up, right? We're, uh, we're only down from last year. We're way above what I consider to be kind of the normal year, which is 2019, that so many industries use for a watermark. Um, so we've still got some pretty remarkable uh, inventory, some really good cap rates, much better than what you'd find in the traditional long-term rentals. Um, but be careful about losing using last year as a watermark. And then last thing I'll say on that, is we're attracting the significant uh, investment from what, what I consider to be kind of the long-term REITs that have been out there that will go out and buy hundreds of thousands of long-term properties. Like the the money guys are on to the, uh, to the investment potential of the vacation rental short-term properties and have been for some time. The challenge has been that the data hasn't been significant enough uh, in order to allow them to really make good risk-based purchases at scale. It's reaching that point now. So we just came back from Austin, which was the first, I think, kind of global conference where you really saw the bankers, the private equity guys, the big funds coming together with the vacation room on data guys. And it felt like, you know, the first day of, of this emerging trend towards really seeing some significant investment in this market.
0: So once you got the big money guys in here, you got the hedge funds, the Black Rocks of the world coming in and and buying up large amounts of of rental property. I'd imagine they're solving some of these other issues that I know Airbnb properties have had, which is city ordinances. There's a lot of cities that will come in and say, no, you're not allowed to do vacation rentals here. Neighbors don't want to complain. Maybe homeowners associations kind of doing the same type of thing. Uh, What are you seeing when it comes to city regulations or state regulations or HOA ordinances that are preventing people from taking advantage of some of these different opportunities?
1: Yeah, incredibly important question. Um, It used to be the exception you heard of a few places where it was happening. You can essentially count on it being part of the discussion in every market now. Um, I watched for 10 years as people made investments either in companies or in individual units and markets and said, not here. And then they saw it pop up in their market. We were one of them here in Destin. Um, The good news is that the the data is starting to help inform better decisions around legislation. Uh, The early legislative initiatives that were coming out at local levels were kind of just using a big hammer to swing back. And you still see that in a lot of markets. But more and more, you're starting to see intelligent discussions between the stakeholders that are making good decisions about where should we have vacation rentals, where should we not? How can we kind of work together so that you know we can live and breathe in these communities and still have investment opportunities? And so it's getting better, uh, but your point is critical. If you're if you're interested in buying a vacation rental home and you're not looking at the regulatory environment of the location you're looking at, you're missing one of the most important factors, right? You can you can pick out something that's got a 16 cap rate. and and make the best decision in the world and if they shut down vacation rentals in your market six months later you're just out uh and so know whether or not licenses are still available whether they're required which they're in a lot of markets and better yet like pick up the phone or ask one of the groups out there that are really front and center on this regulatory issue about what the climate is for regulation in your current market
0: huge I'm assuming that uh, the data that you're collecting also has to do with a lot of those ordinances. like some of those license fees, some of those I mean, a lot of hotels pay a tax literally on every client that comes in as part of uh, hospitality. Las Vegas is notorious for this. This is why uh, you you don't have to pay a state tax in Nevada, right? So some of those places incorporate some of those fees as a as a as you are you're essentially a hotel. even though it's in one unit, you're essentially a hotel. Um, does the data that you're collecting also incorporate that so that when people are in certain places, they can kind of get an idea as to like a, what the cost is going to be per uh, per visitor?
1: Yeah. So you've got you've got a wide variety, as you'd expect, of, of kind of tax and regulations and policies, depending upon the location. Um, in, in our current location, where I'm at, just as an example, which is real common, they collect tax for every visitor and they use it uh, to the TDC or DMO or whatever uh, acronym you want to use, the, the governmental agency that's responsible for bringing in new visitors, right? They collect the tax and they use that to market back. And so um, a very powerful tool if you're if you're buying in a community where that tax is being put to good use. Um, we sell the aggregated data back to those DMOs and those agencies. And so in in so many of the core markets, you've got the agency using the same data that the individuals are using or the pros are using to try to make sure that they're attracting, you know, the best visitors to the area and you've got this regular cadence of uh, folks coming in. So yeah, it's, it's part of the core data set that we work with.
0: I feel like when there's a good show that we watch on TV, there's always a spin-off that ends up happening. Right. And I feel the Airbnb space is, is very similar to that. Uh, literally I am working on my backyard right now where I'm at in San Diego. I have a beautiful view of all of San Diego downtown, my backyard is is set for that. So we're remodeling the backyard and making it a beautiful space that we're eventually going to rent out as party space. Cause that why not? That's the kind of kind of the point. Are you seeing a trend where maybe it's not a complete Airbnb, but there are rental spaces of individual units that people are interested in. And are you collecting data on that sort of thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the Best moves I think people do when they when they go to either build a place to rent out or they think about converting their place to rent out is they think about the listing ahead of time. Like one of my business philosophies is begin with the end in mind, right? A very common state in right? your life, like know where you're going. So if you think about your listing on VRBO or you think about your listing on Airbnb, somebody's not in your home feeling the space, you know, as good as listings have become with uh, floor plans and videos and all that, in the end. Uh, you're still creating a list of a couple of bullet points that attract someone to a house, right? And so having a checklist that would appeal to you and your family, particularly things that don't kind of check the boxes at home. So you see a lot of these purpose-built homes that are literally designed to have the core checkbox that would make people say, man, that's cool. I'd like to stay there. Some of them are very thematic thematic, and you know they feel like Disney World. But a lot of the kind of common ones that you see uh, popping up everywhere are game rooms that make the kids go, ah, oh, I'd love to stay there, right? Kids space mm. is probably uh, one of the greatest tools because first thing you do if you're a mom or dad and you're trying to pick out a place to stay is you just want your family to be happy more than anything, right? Yep. Um, and so when you can show them those pictures and they see the room that they're staying in, and they go, wow. You know, then you start to drive some really unique businesses and people fall in love with vacation rentals and they want to come back to the same home. Time after time again, and so the space does a really good job of capturing guests' attention and keeping them. But it, it, at the beginning, you've got to get them attracted to just your listing. So when you're about the rooms, you know, be mindful of the bullet points that you're putting on the list. It doesn't have to be the biggest game room in the world. Uh, and if you're, you know, if you're trying to decide between taking a space and using it for two things or four things, like think about it from a bullet point perspective. The more the more attributes that you can list in your listing that will attract a new guest into that space, the better you're going to have uh, in terms of rentals. That's such
0: great advice. Keep it simple. Try to make it as simple as possible. If you are going to love this space because of these reasons, those are the reasons that other people are most likely going to love them too. Jason, it's been one great episode. I can't believe time has flown by. I want to make sure I give you time to let people know how they can get a hold of you. How can they get that information, especially in the next 60 days when, the, when you're launching a new program. Uh, and any last final thoughts?
1: Man, just appreciate the time with you. I think uh, if you're jumping into the vacation rental space or you're thinking about expanding your holdings, uh, my uh, advice would be look at the data out there. Uh, Keydatadashboard.com is our site. We've got a ton of tools out there. We're doing our best to be open and authentic and to have a conversation kind of amongst all the stakeholders in the space. We really want it to be something that's easier uh, for folks to do and do well. Uh, And so we're trying to democratize the data and the tools that are out there that the pros have been using. So uh, reach out to us on Jason at keydatadashboard.com. But I think you nailed it. Like keep it simple, put products out there that you think people would be excited to rent that would make their families happy in the end. We we work so hard as you talk about all the time. You get a little bit of time away with your family, uh, build something or put something out there that people want to come. You know, use that valuable time uh, enjoying. And I think you'll do extraordinarily well. But use data is my takeaway tip. It's uh,
0: it's getting really solid. People lie all the time, but numbers don't lie. That's just the truth. This is the data that's coming out. These are the fees. These are the rents. This is all the information you need and. Uh, in order for you to get that data, make sure you guys stop by keydata dashboard.com. Reach out to Jason. I'm going to pop his email back here on the screen, jason at keydatadashboards.com. Uh, look, the vacation rentals is one of those big spaces, and the more information you have, the more successful you're going to be. It's like when I tell my, my students all the time, I'm like, that very first time you played Monopoly, you sucked. You didn't do very good. The second time you had a chance of winning, the difference is you knew the rules to the game. Data works the same way. If you don't do, if you don't do any research and you jump into a space, you may or may not be successful, but you'll have a better chance of winning if you got that data right behind you. So one more time, keydatadashboard.com, keydatadashboard.com. Stop by, check it out, get the data you need to get your ROI the way you want it to be, the way, the place where you want it to be, way up here. <clears throat> All right, Jason. Uh, last little question I got for you, man. At the beginning of the show, I told you we were going to talk about your business in the best light possible. Uh, I, I, I love the podcast space and the way we grow is with video testimonials. So what was your experience like on the business bros?
1: Let's it. was fantastic. I, I, I love the energy. Uh, I've watched a lot of them and I, uh, I think you lead with heart and I think that's key to, to kind of grow in your business. So anytime we can get together, share what's worked for us and hasn't worked for us and help one another, uh, in our business endeavors, I think it benefits all of us. So appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for having us on the show. Much appreciated. <laughs>
0: Of course. And a big shout out to Todd. Uh, He's the one who hooked us up. Todd Armstrong, thank you very much, man. As always, bringing some quality guests, doing some amazing things. And that's really what it's all about, ladies and gents. Real-life entrepreneurs giving you their real-life ups and downs in this space because it's full of them, just like the stock market. It's awesome, and then it sucks. It's awesome, and then it sucks. But that's entrepreneurship. And every time we hit that bottom, it's another problem we get to solve. And when we do... It's great for business. So data is one of those problems. You don't have any right now. So get the data you need and solve that problem. KeydataDashboard.com. Jason, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gents, catch you guys on the flip side. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started.